Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone. This is Philip Catafamo with Believe in Angels on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I believe it's 2020. We have finally made it to the new year. I hope your year is going well so far. We're pretty early into the year, so I'm pretty sure nothing significant has happened to you. And if it has, hopefully it's been positive. I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Believe in Angels here on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Philip Catafamo. As I mentioned just a few seconds ago, not sure why I did my intro again, but here we are and here we are. Uh, I got an opportunity to talk with a buddy of mine who I've known for a very long time, Jim Eisenacher, who I used to work with in at in junior college, we worked at a radio station called KCOD. I think that's what it was called, KCOD. Yeah, it is KCOD, uh, a small college radio station at a junior college in Palm Desert, California. I've known Jim since I was like 19. Uh, I'm a lot older than I'm a lot older now, um, but uh, it's always a great conversation to talk with Jim. He is a plethora of knowledge when it comes to the Angels. He is a super fan of the team. The guy knows everything. He knows every. Honestly, I swear that he knows things before they happen. It's really weird. He'll send me a, a message in our Facebook chat and just be like, "Hey, the Angels are going to make this move," and then five minutes later, it'll happen. It's fascinating to me the kind of sh- kind of stuff that he knows. Um, but with that, I'm going to send you quickly to this episode. Last time, I think my intro got a little too long when my with my last intro. So I'm going to send you into the episode. So enjoy this conversation I had with me and my good buddy, Jim Eisenacher. I am joined by uh, probably the biggest Angels fan I know in uh, a buddy of mine, Jim Eisenacher. Jim, calling all the way from California. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic, man. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Uh, this is sort of like... A, you know, a first-time thing for me. The only other people I've ever talked to is Adam Riggs, who I used to host the show with, and uh, people I'd interview their careers. I did a small series on this show called uh, Outside Looking In, and I'd interview former athletes. But uh, it's nice to talk to somebody who's on the same playing field as me. Yeah, let's not interview me. You want people to continue to listen. <laughs> well, hopefully uh, this interview itself right here will be will be just enough for everybody. So I thought, you know, I've been rambling on about the Angels for well, ever since I started the show, and I, I was like, you know, who can I talk to that can give me a different insight on the Angels? I've talked to people in the business. I've talked to people in the media. But I wanted to talk to somebody who has lived and breathed the Angels their entire life. And you are the first person that will forever pop up in my head. And so I was like, you know what? I'll give Jim a call. We'll talk about some of the recent moves the Angels have made. And we've got a lot to talk about here. Uh, so, Jim, let's start with this. Let's start with the present the recent moves the Los Angeles Angels have made, and of course, feel free to add more if I didn't, uh, if I, I left any out. Um, first and foremost, the catching position for the Los Angeles Angels has finally found a solution in Jason Castro, and I know that you're excited about this move. I, I'm ecstatic for it, and I think it's going to be a nice little platoon situation there between him and Stassi. And if there's anybody I trust to straighten that out, it's going to be the evil genius of Joe Madden that's calling all the shots there. Uh, it's really a beautiful marriage of what they have going on right now. I I was very, very vocal, as you are aware, of how badly I wanted Joe Madden to come aboard. And I was calling for this at the All-Star break of last season. Yeah, it, it seemed like Brad Osmus, the signing of Brad Osmus, was just sort of, it felt weird, right? It just kind of... 
it, it felt like it. I treated it as a speed bump to uh, getting to the path of Eric Chavez because that was sort of rumored for the longest time that they were gonna, the Angels were gonna go after Eric Chavez as their next head coach when Mike Sosha stepped down, but maybe he wasn't ready at the time, and so they were like, well, we need to sign a, a head coaching candidate, and at the time. There, I don't think there were a whole lot left over before they signed Brad Osmus. And I remember talking to you about this, talking to my grandfather, who's a huge Angels fan. And the signing of Brad Osmus at the time, at least in my opinion, didn't really make a whole lot of sense. You know what? I, I was very, very loud about wanting Eric Chavez to come aboard once right. Socia stepped down. I was also calling for Socia to retire probably about five years earlier, but we won't get into that situation. <laughs> Um, I really wanted Chavez. I, 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 I'm with you. It was a speed bump. It was a stopgap. Is, right. is the best way to put it in terms of Brad Osmus. I, I tried to talk myself into it, and for about a month I did. And then uh, I don't know if I woke up or if the honeymoon was over, but it was very clear early on that it was just not going to work. And it just felt like this team was just trudging along the entire season. They they had a, a great first half of the season, and then when the trade deadline rolled around, they played. They had that four game series with the Orioles, and then you and I went to the Tigers game that was right after that. And it just felt like the wheels had just completely fallen off, and the team that we saw in the first half of the season was not the same team that we saw in the second half. No, it's it's very odd. It's one of the very few times I can remember going to an Angels game and actually kind of finding myself being a little bored. Right. And anytime you have easily the greatest baseball player of the last previous decade, and uh, I will fight anybody who wants to argue that, you can beat me at an Applebee's, that <laughs> an Applebee's? Is the best yeah, absolutely an Applebee's, because I don't want to spend a whole lot of money. I mean, if it's a nice place and I'm going to get kicked out, why would I want to do that? I feel like if there's any restaurant you're going to get into a fight at, it's probably like Denny's. Yeah, but I, I like frequency, frequently Denny's, and you know you kind of want to. You like those two for twenties, exactly. And plus, you know, you never get the chance you get to go to a punk rock show at a Denny's these days, right? Yeah, no, and and I've never heard of. Well, to be honest, that just proves my point more that you should fight at Denny. Also, don't fight at Denny's. But if you were going to fight at any kind of establishment, Denny's is where I'd go to throw hands. You can throw hands and then get a ham and egg. I mean, it's perfect. Okay, a maybe grand I'll slam sandwich. That situation. But but regardless, um, Mike Trout, best player of the 2010s, in my humble opinion. And I agree. Be everyone. Yes. Um, I, I should never find myself being bored by a lineup that has Mike Trout. And that's yeah, kind of – and maybe it's because I was with you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, probably. But, uh, and, and no, um, it just – it was – you could tell that it was a team that just didn't have any kind of energy. Right. Well, and like I said, it just felt like it felt like the wheels had fallen off. They had gotten well; they didn't get swept by the Orioles, but they lost that series. A team that was in dead last in the AL, a team that easily they should have no problem handled in the Orioles, and they lose that series. Then they lose the series against Detroit, another equally as bad AL team. And like I said, it just felt like everyone was just kind of like, oh. Well, I guess this is just the rest of our season now. And there was no bounce back. There was no, oh, next series we're gonna we're gonna dominate. They played well against the Red Sox, which was weird. And then after that, it was just mediocrity for the rest of the season. And like you said, you've got a lineup with Mike Trout, Albert Pujols, who I know is a little older now, but still Albert Pujols. And you're, you know, you, you like you said, you just feel bored. And 
We moved to better seats. We were sitting up in the nosebleeds. We ended up moving down a level uh, to make it even more interesting. And still, the team just felt flat. Yeah, it was uh, it was a very odd. I'm not used to going to Angel Stadium and seeing it as empty as it was that day. And it was empty. There were a lot of seats available. That's why it was so easy for us to be able to move up. Yeah, and uh, yeah, no, 100%. You know, it's, it's, I, I agree. It just felt like everybody had given up. And uh, so hopefully this season will be different. Uh, getting more back to our topic here with Jason Castro. Uh, you are a big fan of the move. I am as well. He was one of the guys that I had listed as a catching option for this team. Uh, a guy who's got experience in the division. He, a guy who has had a lot of success. He has had, you know, he was the backup to Mitch Garver last season who ended up having an explosive season. Uh, but now Jason Castro is sort of the number one catcher in Los Angeles. Great defensive catcher. If he can turn his hitting around, which he had a, a very solid hitting season as a backup last season, he had 13 home runs. Uh, if he can nail down this hitting, I think we've got a much more complete team out on the field than we have in a while. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Like I said, he's going to be in more, in my opinion, I think he's better used in a platoon role with him at Stassi until one of them decides to overtake the job. And we could see that as early as spring training. That would be the ideal scenario. But I think that that could take some time just to kind of gel itself out. And I think Jason Castro absolutely especially if he turns his hitting around and he needs to pick it up against lefties because that's been his Achilles heel. And if he can turn that around, he could solidify a position that really only in the past 10 years, it's been maybe Martin Maldonado was the last catcher I was comfortable with starting on a daily basis. Yeah. And I remember putting together my all decade list for the angels and, and you had given your opinion about it. And, uh, I had said, well, you know, the ain't the how long you are and everything. Well, yeah, I, I grabbed, uh, I signed, I put Ionetta at the top because he had been there the longest. But no, I agree. Martin Maldonado was the best option that this team has had since 2010. Uh, but uh, you know, you look at the like you said, you look at the catching position, and it just felt like more of a revolving door of guys in and out of the position, in and off, on and off the team. Chris, like I said, Chris and I, Jesus, Chris Ionetta felt like the only sort of stable catcher at the time, and then Martin Maldonado came in and, and played well, and then he ended up leaving. I think, the, did the Angels trade him, or, or did he sign with Houston in the offseason? He was traded. Right, that's what I thought. But still, it felt like a revolving door, and at least the addition of Jason Castro gives them a little bit more stability at that position. Another move the Angels made was the addition of Kyle Keller, who was a relatively unknown Marlins relief pitcher, or starter, he's a pitcher for the Marlins. Uh, not a bad sort of short and very, very small sample size that we have from Kyle Keller. Obviously, in addition for you know a guy who possibly could make an impact later on, he's still relatively young. A guy that they brought in, you know, he'll get a spring training invite and he might make the team in the relief uh, in the in the bullpen, I should say. So, Jim, do you know anything about Kyle Keller? Can you give anyone? Can you give us a little bit more insight if you have any? The really the thing with Kyle Keller from what I've seen is I just want to know. I I actually liked Jose Estrada. I thought he was, which is who they sent over in exchange to get Kyle Keller. Yes, the catcher. Which I don't, I don't, yeah, which I don't understand why they had to give up anything really because nobody was really in for Kyle Keller. He was spent. I'd have to look at it, but it was a couple weeks. 
sitting around after he was designated for assignment, yeah. and um, he at least gets the uh, honor of being the really the first official transaction of the 2020s. So, yeah, we. I, I guess there's, there's that. <laughs> Yeah, and you got to hope that maybe this first edition of 2020 is going to have a significant impact for the rest of the season. I mean, you know, it, we see it all the time where where teams will take a chance on a guy who maybe wasn't utilized in the proper role with another team, and then he's brought onto this team, and he's, you know, I, I'm I'm honestly interested what Mickey Calloway is going to do with Kyle Keller, and I know that I might be I might be kind of uh, you know overhyping Kyle Keller, but I mean, why not? He's young. We they, the Angels need. Uh, bullpen help, and the addition of Kyle Keller just gives them more depth at the very least. And the best, the, my favorite part with Kyle Keller is the fact that you know he he's under team control until at, at least twenty twenty five. Right, and that is really what they need is is good arms, young arms. He's only going to be twenty seven at the start of the season that can go. So um, th- this was a move that that really. It's, you're hoping it's it's a change of scenery move for right. for everyone. So it, it's it's good. I'm I'm very hoping for it. So go and do something, young man. We need something. So I saw an article, and I want to get your opinion on this. And the article said that the Angels should give Joe Ad- uh, Joe Adele, excuse me, an extension now. So my question to you, Jim, we have not seen Joe Adele at the top. At the major league level yet, and we, there's a really good chance that that will come this season. When do you think it's time? It, it, when is it too early to sign a top prospect to an extension uh, like the Angels are considering, or at least this article was was presenting that the Angels were considering giving to Joe Adele? I'm under the uh, under the belief that it's never. You should always be talking extension with these young players because they're only going to get more expensive. But I, I agree 100% with with that, that they should sign him. I don't think there's anything that's too early unless, you know, you're signing a fresh out of A-ball to a 10-year contract, which if you can get him on that for that cheap, eh, I think there might be some people in the union that might be upset at that. But, uh, no, Joe Adele is viewed in the Angels organization as the future. He is... Whether he's going to be a superstar or not, that's how they view him. I think that he is going to take the league by storm, which, uh, and we'll get into this a, a little more later when we do the New Year's re- uh, resolutions right. for the Angels. But um, I, I, I agree that they should at least talk to him about trying to get uh, some kind of extension. We just saw this a couple years ago. I, I want to say with the Marlins, and I think it was. Um, uh, Azuna, that they ended up inking him early. Yeah, it Marcel. Yeah, they, they ended up inking him like right as he made his debut. There's been a couple other uh, prospects that have come up that we've seen them uh, get inked before they really broke out. And it's not really a huge extension. It's just more of a, hey, we're giving this to you now, so hopefully you remember later with a big money dollar start, which I'm 100% okay with because from what I've seen of Joe Waddell, he's going to be something. And that's, you know, obviously there is that that outcome, the the more likely outcome that Joe Adele is going to be as good as everyone says and it's going to be, you know, an absolute impact to this team that already consists of Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon and Shohei Otani. But my kind of concern here is the the other 
option with Joe Adele, and that is what if he doesn't work out? I mean, look, I, I understand that, um, you know, it's very, you know, the the what we've seen is pretty much this guy's going to be a monster. When this guy comes up, he's going to be great. But, you know, things happen. Jay Williams was drafted by the Chicago Bulls with the number one pick in 2003. He got in a motorcycle accident. His career was over. He didn't die, but his career was over. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Joe Adele, but there is still that small path that could take where Joe Adele might struggle with injuries. Joe Adele might may not translate as well to the major leagues. And now you've given a guy that you felt confident at the time giving him a five-year deal or a six-year deal, whatever. But now it's just sort of, man, was looking back on it in, the, in that particular scenario, was it worth it? Why did we do this? Now we've got another bad contract. we got to hope that somebody wants to take a chance on him. What about that situation? What about that kind of scenario? Well, if you if you were to ink him at this stage, it's not going to be anything crippling in terms of money-wise. That's true. So you, you can't really deal in the hypotheticals of what if someone gets hurt. Because if you're going to do that, you would have done that before heading Mike Trout, a Brinks, not a truck, but an entire factory that makes trucks. Right. That, no, so, that's, and that's true. Yeah, so you really can't deal with those hypotheticals. Of course, they're going to come up in discussions because you kind of have to do your due diligence. But uh, you, the important thing is, is to get your guys under control for as long as you can. And I think if you can ink him to a five-year deal now at a club-friendly salary, if there's even the prospect of that chance, you absolutely take it. Yeah, I really I and I agree, you know, with the the potential is worth the risk. That's the biggest thing is is what he could be is worth more than thinking about oh, well what could happen. And I really want Joe Adele to stay with the team for a really long time. I legitimately really want to get a Joe Adele Angels jersey, especially if he's, you know, going to be as good as everyone's saying and I cannot wait to watch him play this season because there is a very very good chance that we will see him this season. Another Angel player who might be looking for an extension is Andrew Tell Simmons. Is it time to re-sign him or extend him, I should it was, say? It was time to extend Anderson Simmons the second they acquired him from the Braves. That, it's very few players that you can literally pencil in for a gold glove season. Right. Anderson Simmons, for my money, is arguably the best defensive shortstop in in baseball. and it's It's really hard to make that statement when you've got some of the other big stars, but you look at that, that guy is a magician. And I think that they've done a great job of building one of the best defenses, uh, defensive infields in baseball that's out there today. The only hesitation I have on that in terms of extending him is with all the trade talks going on right now, that is a pretty, pretty piece to have. Yes. So, that's my only real hesitation, but it, once again, if there's a chance you can make an extension to where it is a team-friendly deal, you take it. I don't, I don't know if maybe you want to try to backload that with incentives or really just you know backload the contract. And for me, if you, go ahead. Oh no, no, I shouldn't. You're the guest. I shouldn't interrupt you. Go finish your your point, Jim. And so if you're going to even entertain trade talks with him, that's why I would backload it because it's not going to hurt you at that point. Yeah, and that's kind of where I was too, where my my thought process on it is this. Um, Andre Tell Simmons has been dealing with 
injuries. Uh, at least last season, he had an injury plague season. Uh, and I feel like, you know, while his defense is, I agree, 100%, he is the best, if not one of the best defensive shortstops in the entire MLB. I love watching Andrew Tell Simmons play short. He, Like you said, he's a magician. The guy is smooth with his glove. He's smooth with transitioning uh, double plays. He's got limitless range. The guy is a monster. My question is, or at least my concerns are, is his offensive production worth taking the risk for the defensive production, you know, worth taking a shot on and giving an extension to with a guy who struggled at the plate and a guy who struggled to stay in, uh, excuse me, to stay healthy. My thing is, if you're going to sign him, I agree with you. Make it team friendly. Make it very easy, easy to trade because if he's healthy this season, I'd say you trade him at the deadline. Get something back for him. He can have a bounce back year with somebody else. If And this is, of course, hedging that the team is not competing and not in the playoffs, which at least for right now, is not looking like that is going to be the case at all. Uh, but if the Angels do find themselves in another situation like they did last season where injuries are just plaguing the hell out of them and they don't get an opportunity to really kind of full, fulfill that potential, if Andrew Tell Simmons is one of the, the key, one of the bright spots of this team, why not trade him? Why not sign him to, to a deal and then move him? And in all honesty, I might even jump back into the bandwagon, or I might be the only one on this bandwagon, of just signing him and trading him in general, regardless of how good the team is. Yeah, you know, and, and it really it really goes to, you have to think about what you have in terms of depth underneath him in the minors, which I, I know they really like Jeremiah Jackson yes. he's sitting there, but he is a couple years away. Uh, there's also, off the top of my head, there's uh, Kyron Paris. He is he is years away. He's not even 18 yet. So yeah, I think we can hold off on him coming up. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is uh, you could... I'm sorry, go ahead. But, but Andrelton Simmons, he he is has been, since he was traded to the Angels, because that was the biggest complaint was, oh, you traded a shortstop who can't hit for Eric Ibar, who was having a really good season at the bat. Anderson Simmons' offensive numbers have picked up steadily year after year. He was a very consistent hitter for the Angels before uh, the injury took him out. I I don't really think the injury bothers anybody. I don't think it's the start of anything. Uh, He's still young, and I I really just think the the injury is an afterthought at this point, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, and like you said, you brought up Jeremiah Jackson and and, – you know, he's obviously kind of the guy that they're looking to to take over for Simmons. And like you said, he's got, you know, th- four to five years maybe before he comes up. And, uh, you know, that could be just enough time to give Simmons maybe a three-year extension. And then by the time you get a better idea of Jeremiah Jackson at that time, and obviously Aldridge Simmons is more in his mid-30s at that point because he's 30 right now. Um, but uh, I don't know. I just, you know, I, for me it's like, you know, you could if – you, if Simmons is having a great season – then you trade him, and you can just sign, you know, these sort of hodgepodge free agents who, you know, like a Jed Lowry, who is a, a veteran free agent. He's not. A, I don't know if he's free agent now, but that's not my point. Jed Lowry is a guy who kind of bounced from team to team, filling the role of second base slash shortstop, and he was fine. That to me is like if you want to bridge the gap, just just plug hole, you know, put bandages over holes for the time being, and then when you got your permanent solution, that's when you you per, you present that that final solution where Jeremiah Jackson is possibly the answer at shortstop. Of course, you know, that could change, but at least for the time being, the idea is that Jackson will take over for Simmons. And if Simmons is doing well, you trade him, you fill the gaps with, you know, a Jed Lowry type, 
And then, you know, you've you've got two to three years of just cheap players playing short, fulfilling the roles, playing well, fulfilling their their position on the team. Then you bring up Jackson, and you you have also what you have acquired from uh, Andre Till Simmons. The Angels need a bullpen piece. Uh, there are a lot of teams who would love a great defensive shortstop. The Angels could find themselves a good bullpen piece from a trade with Andre Till Simmons. But, of course, you know, I mean, there's just too many ifs, and I keep bringing them all up. But uh, it's just some things that I think about when, you know, when looking at this team. Yeah, and, and that's why I've kind of, whichever way they go with Andrews and Simmons, I'm fine with it. If if they want to trade him to bring in a bullpen arm, I think you can get a little more than that because his defense by itself outweighs it. He might be 30, but it, he has not shown any signs of his production defensively slowing down. And finding a defensive shortstop as good as him is uh, finding some defense to short stuff that's good in general is already hard to do. Right. Finding someone as good as him who is elite, that's that's hard to do. I mean, go glove in both leagues. Yeah, it's that's, tough. that's that's saying something right there. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to like make it seem like I'm I'm you know putting Andrew Till Simmons down. I think he's a really really great shortstop. I'm just saying, you know, the guy's thirty. You know, you kind of got to make some decisions here, especially when you're long-term committed to Mike Trout and uh, Anthony Rendon, who I know is going to be 30, but he doesn't play like a 30-year-old. Uh, I don't know, just uh, just thinking about more for the future. But speaking of the future, Jim, I don't know if you know this, but it's 2020 now. Oh, I was aware. I might have, I might have read that somewhere. Yeah, so now it's 2020, which means uh, every year, like everyone else, uh, we have put together some New Year's resolutions, not for ourselves, but for the Los Angeles Angels. Because I'm not going to yell at myself for not going to the gym, but I will yell at the Angels for not doing the things that I said that they should do. So, Jim, let's start. I, I told you, I think I told you to make like five of them, right? Yes. So we've got five. That's all we have. We don't want to do ten. We don't want to do eight. We don't want to do three. Five is a good good number to, uh, to just go from there. So, uh, Jim, since you are my guest, I will let you go first. Let's see. Let's hear your number five New Year's resolution for the Angels in 2020. My number five for the Los Angeles Angels is to finish in the top ten of Team ERA. You can elaborate on that if you'd like. You know, it, it's been a while since they've done that. You, you've got a pitching coach that's actually worth something for the first time in years. The last time the Angels even finished in the top ten of Team ERA was in 2011 when they finished sixth. Last season, they finished 25th best in Major League Baseball, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that they had essentially you and me out there as starting pitchers, <laughs> and the bullpen, which was completely overtaxed. And that's one of my favorite reasons why Brad Arsmus is gone is because he was the one who overtaxed it. Poor Ty Buttery. I'm surprised his arm didn't fall off last year with how many innings he did. Osmus loved like pulling starting pitchers early as much as possible. He did. He absolutely did, and I I couldn't stand it. I mean, you got guys out there that you need, and that's that's the reason why I love the uh, addition of the starting pitchers that they've gotten so far this off season because they eat up innings, and that's what they're there to do, and that's going to help more than people think it's going to. Yeah, and that's a great transition into my actual number five is don't tax the bullpen too much. There's a reason this team acquired Julio Tehran and Dylan Bundy is because, much like Jim just said, these two pitchers are supposed to eat up long innings. They're guys who don't struggle with a lot of injuries, and if they have them, they're extremely minor. 
these are the kind of guys that extend innings. The addition of Jason Castro helps a whole lot too because he's one of the better framing catchers in the MLB. And you've kind of at this point you have created a a chance of success with Julio Tehran and Dylan Bundy and Jason Castro to not tax the bullpen as much. I still think they need a starting pitcher. They still need another ace, in my opinion, because Otani is still kind of a question mark as if he's going to pitch in 2020. But uh, with the the, bull, the starting pitching staff they have now, you got to hope that if you can get a healthy Andrew Heaney, Julio Tehran, and Dylan Bundy, of course, there's an asterisk next to uh, Shohei Otani in the rotation, uh, you've got yourself an opportunity to not hurt the bullpen as much. You've got a much better pitching coach now. You've got a much better coach in general. We should see some significant improvements with this starting pitching staff next this season. But uh, I mean, you got to hope that those guys can stay healthy and you know, like I said, extend innings. And Jason Castro will help out a lot. So don't tax the bullpen too much. Is my number five, Jim? What is your number four? Number four for me is for the Angels organization, and this is also for the fans listening. Have patience with Joe Adele. Joe Adele's going to be entering the season. He's only 20 years old. Uh, I was trimming seafood at a local grocery store when I was 20. I wasn't going up to the big leagues. I was working to with you. Actually, do something. I was working with you when I was 20. In case we were just throwing that out there. Well, I mean, you're clearly the exception to the rule because you're declining after that. But yeah. anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, he he's had the same kind of meteoric rise that Mike Trout has had. But that is an insane standard to be compared to. Uh, I see the world in front of Joe Adele, but the Angels have to have patience with him, and that's why I'm very happy that Joe Madden's there because he he has shown with his time in Chicago that he can work with these younger superstar players. I mean, Chicago for a while had the youngest team in the majors, so I'm not worried about that at all. My number four is also has to do with Joe Adele, and it's just call him up in general. I mean, it's time that we see Joe Adele on this team. You get the addition of Anthony Rendon. You're getting a healthy Andrew Tull Simmons back, or at least in theory. Uh, you've made some moves to help out your starting pitching, and now it's time to bring up Joe Adele, and we need to see him in this lineup. And like you said, Jim, it's very important to be extremely patient with him. He may struggle when he first gets up. I'm more, I'm pretty sure he'll be brought up in the beginning of the season as opposed to the middle to the end because he's just been hyped so much, and I'm pretty sure Joe Madden would love to put Joe Adele in the lineup every day uh, out in the outfield. But um, you've got to – I agree with being patient, but also you got to call him up. We cannot wait one more season because it'll just be, oh, what would have happened if Joe Adele was in this lineup this year? They are primed and ready for a playoff appearance – a World Series uh, trip, I don't know, but definitely a playoff appearance. And if you add Joe Adele, you've already made this team significantly better. So how about number three, Jim? Number three for me is do not be afraid to make moves if you're in the position to do so. I have I, I was screaming very loudly last season that Cole Calhoun should have been moved at the trade deadline. I know he's, he's a fan favorite and, and all of that, but he absolutely should have should have been moved and you do that you get extra pieces that would have helped you this offseason as opposed to letting him walk as a free agent because now you know you've seen the names out there like Clevenger and, and, and David Price and those are guys that probably could have been had a little easier had you moved Cole Calhoun yeah, and I remember you telling me that when we were at the Tigers game. You said, I wish they had traded Cole Calhoun two seasons ago because they would have gotten so much for him. He was 
really, really good uh, uh, not very long ago. And uh, now he's on the Diamondbacks. But, uh, no, I, I, I agree. For him. I'm very happy for that. Yeah, well, I'm not. But, um, I mean, I get, you know, it's a good it's a good addition for the Diamondbacks, and it's a, a loss for the Angels, of course. He's a big fan favorite. I've always really liked Cole Calhoun. Uh, he always felt to me like one of the most underrated right fielders in the entire MLB. The guy could hit. He could field. Uh, he just, you know, declined as as most as baseball players do when they get older. But my number three is find another starter, which, again, kind of ties into yours a little bit, and that's uh, – Get a, get another starting pitcher, whether it's at the beginning of the season, whether it's uh, at the middle or the trade deadline, you have to make a move. I, and I and maybe you're holding off to see what happens with Shohei Otani. Obviously, his, his presence in the starting rotation completely changes everything for this team. But in the off chance that he can't pitch again this season, you have to find somebody who can line up alongside with uh, Andrew, he- uh, Andrew Heaney and uh, Julio Tehran and Dylan Bundy. You need somebody there to kind of eat up innings and a guy who can stay healthy. And a few options that I've kind of been bouncing around is obviously, you know, Mike Clevenger is an option. Robbie Ray from the Diamondbacks, who now has to battle with time for, excuse me, now has to battle with Madison Bumgarner as the ace of the staff. Steve Matz of the uh, New York Mets, which is another one that I saw today that I have not mentioned yet. David Price, who would not cost a lot, but does carry a heavy contract. Chris Archer, who is another guy who... Really need talk about a guy who needs a change of scenery. Chris Archer needs to get out of Pittsburgh so that hopefully he can salvage the rest of his career. And another guy that I've mentioned before is Alex Wood of the Cincinnati Reds, formerly of the Los Angeles Dodgers, a guy who has struggled with injuries but has pitched very, very well in the past and could be a very cheap fix to this team, sort of like what the Angels were hoping they were going to get out of Matt Harvey last season. They maybe could get out of Alex Wood for this one. Alex Wood is a prime candidate for a one-year show-me deal. Yeah. And that's exactly what I would go for. I mean, you're seeing more and more players really gravitate towards those one-year show-me deals so they can get those big contracts. Alex Wood is, like you said, he's a guy who, when he's on, he is on. And he sh- he's shown it in the past. I would absolutely love that addition. A guy that, a perfect scenario, and it would it would cost, a pretty heavy price would be to go get John Gray out of uh, Colorado. Yeah, I, I also love that addition. Well, I didn't even think about John Gray, but you're right. Another guy who who definitely needs a change of scenery. I wouldn't be surprised if he is a very accessible, a very available player from the Colorado Rockies in uh, John Gray. A guy who's got a lot of potential and, and maybe just hasn't gotten a chance to fulfill it all. But uh, what's number two for you, Jim? Uh, for me, it's it's for the... Angels organization, and really for the players to embrace the crazy that comes with Joe Madden, because he makes some absolutely preposterous decisions in terms of his lineup. But for my money, they work out better more times than not. I mean, I can't say that I've led two lowly, historically lowly franchises to World Series appearances and one with a win. Right. That was the Cubs, who hadn't won since before the Titanic sunk. So, yeah. I mean... Uh, it's it's pretty insane. He he does he does some pretty wacky things, but I'm gonna trust the guy. Plus, he's an angel, man. He he yeah. he he bleeds angel red. I mean, everybody should because that's a healthy thing to do in life. But hmm. regardless, he is an angel. He's never sold his house when he left. He was he's been on that staff through the World Series win in 2002. Just embrace him because. That's what they've needed for a while now. It's somebody who's going to shake things up. 
Yeah, and I mean, you and I talked earlier about the addition of Joe Madden just being a significant, in, uh, excuse me, a significant upgrade uh, over Brad Osmus, and and you know he's got connections to the team. He's a guy who's been to the World Series in both leagues with the Rays and the Angels, and also the uh, um, the Chicago Cubs, of course, winning in 2016 with the Cubs, like Jim mentioned, um, and. and yeah, I, I agree. Embrace Joe Madden. He's a guy who likes to put his pitcher in the eight hole for some reason and then put a guy down at nine. Maybe he'll move some guys around and they'll they'll play some other positions they had never gotten a chance to or they'll bat in and out of the lineup. He's a mad genius, but he's a genius for a reason, and I, I agree. Trust in Joe Madden. The dude, the dude rolls off the dude rolls out a Tommy Two Tone lineup of eight six seven five three oh nine because he says the DH doesn't play defense, so he's okay with counting him as a zero. I mean <laughs> That is the kind of stuff that in the middle of the season, you see that, you laugh, it breaks whatever tension you have going through. I love Joe Madden. I love Joe Madden, too, and I know there's a lot of people and a lot of Angels fans who feel the exact same way. My number two is it's time to move on from Justin Upton. The Justin Upton experience in my experiment, in my opinion, is long overdue for Justin Upton to be moved. I really wish the Angels had moved on from him in 2018 when he hit 30 home runs. He did not play very well at all last season. He's got a very hefty contract. Obviously, they're going to keep him on the roster just to see what he can do. I really hope they move on from him from him this season. Uh, I have nothing against Justin Upton. I feel like if he's when he's healthy and he's playing well, he's a really good hitter. He's a decent left fielder. He's he's serviceable. He's a, he could be a solid DH when uh, Albert Pujols eventually retires. But it's time to start moving on from Justin Upton. And if he's playing well this season, I think you move him as quick as possible. Honestly, if you're going to go after David Price, consider lumping in Justin Upton in that trade. Uh, I would I would agree with you, but the whole point of the Red Sox moving David Price is they want to get away from that contract. So right. I don't see Justin Upton, I mean, well, it works mon- monetary-wise for both teams. It doesn't really work to benefit the Red Sox because it kind of defeats the, the purpose. Plus, Justin Upton has a no-trade clause, so it would have to – I believe it is a full no-trade clause, if I'm correct. Ooh. So it would have to work for him. That's another hurdle. Uh, plus, Justin Upton really won't get the Angels any kind of return on that. I mean, if, if Billy Epler wanted to move him, there really isn't a market for him right now. And I have Justin Upton as primed for a bounce-back season this year. I think he is spent the entire offseason very, very upset about the narrative surrounding him. And I think he he's a sleeper to watch for a potential comeback player of the year. I'm really hoping you're right. I mean, I want to see Justin Upton play well because you add Joe Adele into that outfield. You've got a very complete outfield with Justin Upton hitting well and fielding well. Mike Trout obviously is the greatest player to ever play baseball. And then you've got a young up-and-comer in Joe Adele who is also flashing, uh, of course, if, if all the hype is true, was flashing a, a franchise, another franchise piece for this team. And then you've got Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon. I mean, it just makes this team even scarier in the postseason and in the regular season. So, Jim, we've done five. We've done four. We've done three. Now we've talked about two. Let's move on to our number one New Year's resolution in 2020 for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. So, number one for me, and it, we talked about it earlier, we've talked about it often throughout this throughout this show, simply have fun. Uh, they they look like a team that was lost last season. Of course, they had some 
tragic off-the-field stuff that happened, and that's understandable. They need to get back to having fun playing baseball. And it's something that that needs that electricity, which is why I I, I keep gushing about him. But Joe Madden is somebody who's going to inject that crazy in there. And so... Just just get back to having fun. Be that historically fun franchise that brings the fans in by the millions every year and and bring that fun back to Southern California. I, I couldn't agree more. And you're right. Joe Madden is the perfect manager to bring back that fun. I mean, there's stories upon stories of, of what he and his players in Chicago would do. They'd dress up. I think there was one point they all shaved their heads or something like that. I mean... He is such a fun guy to be around, and they really need that. They need Mike Trout to be happy and and healthy. They need, you know, Shohei Otani to be goofing around. They need they need that. They need this sort of charisma that they were lacking last season to push them through those tough times. Instead of just being like, "Oh, great, we lost the series to Baltimore. Now I got to play Detroit, and we lost to Detroit. All right, I'm done with the season. I'm out." Whereas Joe Madden might keep the spirits high, might keep these guys more focused because they just feel a lot more relaxed. I could not agree more uh, with your number one uh, New Year's resolution there, Jim. Yeah, Joe Madden is literally the Pete Carroll of baseball. They're both older people who you swear are younger by the way they act, and they really, even when they have thin, thinning talent, get the most out of them. Like That is the most accurate correspondence I can make in terms of two people. He and it's really something I'm realizing just now that he is Pete Carroll for baseball. Uh, as a 49ers fan, I neglect, I reject that statement, but acknowledge that it is probably true. My number one New Year's resolution for the Angels this season is stay healthy. First and foremost, this team has to stay healthy. They acquired Julio Tehran and Dylan Bundy to help take a lot of the pressure off the bullpen. Great. Now they need Shohei Otani to come back healthy in whatever scenario it is, whether he's going to pitch and hit or just pitch, or just hit. They need him to be healthy. They need Andrew Heaney to, to stay healthy. They need literally everyone, Andrew Till Simmons, uh, Anthony Rendon. The entire roster has to stay as healthy as possible. Of course, injuries are going to happen. Nobody is perfect. Things, things do happen. But this team, if they can stay at least healthier than they were last season, they can easily make the playoffs. They may even win the division. Uh, which we're going to get to here in, in just a few seconds. Uh, but first, first and foremost, staying healthy is going to be priority number one, and it has to be priority number one. Yeah, and I think that that really is blanketed for every team in every sport. Right, is to stay healthy. Uh, we will see Shohei Itani, uh pitch at some point this season. I, I think it'll even be somewhere after the first month of the season. He'll be in there. He's not going to be there opening day. Some people are holding their breath that that's going to happen. Just get used to it's not going to happen this year. And if I'm wrong, I will be the happiest person to be wrong. He's not going to be the opening day starter. So, uh, he will pitch at some point this season, and that will absolutely bolster it because the dude is electric. But even at that, he's going to be super rusty. But here's here's the real question you face in terms of him returning, or when he returns, is do you send him on a rehab assignment? To start pitching, or do you keep him on the active roster to DH? Like that's that's going to be that's going to be something fun to face. Yeah, and and that is a good question. I mean, 
you know, when Otani does come back, obviously his hitting doesn't need the rehabilitation, but his pitching, I agree, definitely does. I mean, the last time he pitched was his rookie season, or he did, did he pitch a little? No, it was his rookie season. Yeah, he did not pitch at all last season. So that's over a year. You may get two years. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, that, that's going to be definitely a question for the Angels going forward is when Otani is ready, do we just throw him to the Wolves and let him, you know, hit against maybe a poorer team? Or do you bite the bullet and go, okay, Otani, you're going to be just down here for a little bit. Let's get you back healthy pitching, throw a couple innings in the minor leagues. We'll put you on a short leash that you get, you know, get the the mechanics going, get the feel of pitching again. Um, and yeah, that's that's really a good question. And also, you have to wonder if that would cost them a uh, any kind of uh, minor league options on him too, because technically it's a rehab assignment, but he's been playing healthy as a hitter. That's a whole different can of worms I didn't mean to open, but now I'm going to be thinking about that all night. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now it's I haven't even thought of it. Now I'm I'm probably going to be thinking about it too because now well, who do you put at the DH? Do you when you call him up? Who do you call? You know, there's so many questions. But some more questions. I'm to throw a bunch of things. Oh, I know it's fantastic. Um, I love it too, Jim. I I've probably have a million wrenches that you've thrown into my plans and into my questions. So um, there is another question: Is who is going to finish at the top of this division in the AL West? And uh, again, uh, Jim, let's go five to one and tell me uh, you can do you want do we want to do the five, four back and forth or you want you want to just give yours and I'll give mine. I don't know how much time you have. So Uh, I have no life. You should know this by now. Fantastic, Jim. So let's start with your number five finisher in the AL West. Uh, I got to go with the Seattle Mariners. There there is just some kind of bad juju going on over there because every time they look like they take a step forward. They don't, or it was a false step, and they're being sent back. I don't know what's going on over there. Maybe it's the curse of Ichiro Suzuki. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but yeah, I I have them finishing finishing last. Who do you have? Who do you have going last? Oh, definitely the Mariners. They are for sure the worst team in this division. Uh, they're very very young. Um, they have honestly, they're just not ready to even be considered to even be considered in the middle of the AL West. They're still in a super rebuild. I I don't know who's in a worse position, them or the Orioles, but uh, either one of them is going to have the crown of worst team in the AL for uh, at least a, a couple more seasons. Who's your fourth-place finisher? Uh, fourth place, i got Texas going going forth. I mean, they, they've had some good additions in the offseason, uh, brought in one of the best pitchers in baseball, but there's not really much anything else there. I mean, they finished – 29 games back last season, it, it was not pretty. So I don't really see any kind of stellar jump out of them this year. And I I, I don't know if it's my, my red-tinted glasses of being an Angels fan or not, but I don't see them having made any improvements to make themselves better than what's going on in Anaheim this next year. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of both on the same page here in terms of our four and five. Um I don't really see I also don't really see a huge significant um sort of uh you know just like I don't really see them making a whole lot of improvements they clearly didn't um I I mean I feel like putting them in 4 is a good is they'll, they'll probably bounce back and forth between 4 and 3 depending on how good the Angels and the A's are but uh yeah I, I don't really see the Rangers as well kind of in a weird sort of stagnant uh sort of uh, mode right now where it's like we're either going to be good or we're going to be really bad in the next four years 
And I can't get a good read on the Rangers, so that's why I'm putting them in four. How about three, Jim? Number three, I have our Angels going at number three. They have made some great additions, but there are too many what-ifs with this team. And that's, you know, what if he stays healthy? Uh, what's going to happen when Shohei Otani comes back to pitch? How's that going to affect his hitting or vice versa? There, there's still a lack of a true ace at, at, the, at the top of the rotation. There's just so many questions surrounding this team. I think they make an improvement over the 72-win season they had last year, but I, I just can't see them wrestling anything away from Oakland or Houston in terms of the top of this division. You know, I've got a little bit more confidence in the Angels. I actually have the A's at three. I don't think they really made any significant moves this offseason. They also lost Blake Trinan to, uh, or Trinian, however you pronounce it, to uh, free agency, which is also a big loss to their bullpen. I know that they are a really, really good team. And uh, I mean, there are guys on the A's that I really like. Uh, but I just think this, this two and three of the AL West will decide the second spot in the wild card much like it almost did last season where the A's and the Angels were kind of bouncing back and forth between two and three before the Angels had their collapse. But, you know, I just I don't think the A's made any real significant moves this offseason um, to where I'd put them over the Angels. Because I just think, and this is kind of spoiling my, my number two, but I just think the Angels have improved enough significantly where they can put themselves above the Astros and still below the the or excuse me, above the A's and still below the Astros. So I've got, this is kind of, again, spoiling my two, but I've got it A's and then Angels. So A's at three, Angels at two. I just think the Angels made much more significant moves. And with the addition of, of Joe Adele, it just puts them above uh, the A's. And if they get another starter, I mean, and Otani's healthy, then that easily puts the Angels in number two, possibly even number one. Yeah, I'm. we're, we're, we're flipped in terms of there. And, hey, you know, if everything goes right, and and the Angels want to take that that number two or even ascend to the number one spot, I have absolutely no problem with that. But just seeing what I have on paper, you you got a scrappy Oakland team that's used to playing with those odds, and it, they finally have a stadium, kind of, hmm. sort of, in a way, but not really. And I, I just, I should say they finally have a stadium to themselves. But yeah, because the Raiders I, are moving out. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I really, I, I just, man, they, they're a team that came out of nowhere last year, and you know it's bad when you had a 97-1 season and you still finished 10 games back in the division. Yeah, it's, well, this is how good the Astros are. I mean, oh my God, they're, I mean, they're number one for me. I know, obviously, they're number one for you, but I have, I'm going to jump ahead of you here just real quickly. I have an asterisk next to the Houston Astros at number one because, they still have not gotten reprimanded. They still have not gotten their punishment yet for cheating, allegedly, in the 2017 World Series. I don't know what kind of ramifications they're going to have or if most of this team is even going to be allowed to play most of the season for the Houston Astros. So while I do think the Astros are still the top dog in this division and they are a very, very talented team, I I think once these you know penalties start to come down, Good chance you might have to have a new head coach to coach the rest of the season. There's a good chance you may not have some of your players on the field. I don't know. There's a good chance you may not even be able to play, which probably isn't true. But I don't know what the the ramifications of the Houston Astros for this season is going to be. With If these allegations are proven true, they could have their World Series title stripped. 
they could maybe be barred from the playoffs for a couple seasons. They'll more than likely lose draft picks. I'm pretty sure A.J. Hinch is going to have to be banished from the MLB. I don't really know. Uh, but at least for now, as of January 9th, 2020, I have the Astros at number one. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm really just going to copy and paste that because I also have that same asterisk because it's a, it's an entire situation in flux because this could come down at any moment. I, I would assume they want to get it done before the season. We don't know right. any information that's really been reported through any of the major outlets in terms of what's going to happen. So right now, working off the information I have, I, I have to assume that everybody's going to be back and everything's going to be sunny in Houston. And if they get everybody back, like that, that is a scary team and they are young. And even if they're going to lose players, they are so deep in that entire organization. It's just plug and play at this point. Yeah, they, they're extremely deep. They've got a great minor league system. They've got a front office that does know how to make moves, or at least legal moves, I should say. Um, there was a chart... There was a chart that was put out before the uh, the playoffs or after the playoffs because all the seeding was done by then, and they had a chart of it was a bar graph of what percentage of players were acquired through trade, through the minor leagues, and through free agency signings. And the Astros are a team they are not afraid to make moves at the trade deadline. Most of their guys they acquired, and that includes Jordan Alvarez, who was acquired from the Dodgers for Josh Fields. They know how to make moves, and even if they do lose like a Carlos Correa or an Alex Bregman. They know that they've got a pocket of prospects to throw at some team and go, okay, we'll take Nolan Arenado from you. Okay, we'll take this guy from you. We'll take this guy. And they know how to use it. Yeah, and I also don't see Major League Baseball doing any kind of uh, a playoff ban or anything because I, I think that would be ridiculous at a level such as the Major Leagues to, to do something like that. So. Yeah, they are insanely deep. Anything, the the division runs through Houston. And if any of the teams want to step up, you know, I mean, I I always say, you know, Rick Flair, if you you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. And, you know, everything else aside, he is the man. So just to recap here before we uh, wrap things up, my AOS predictions, fifth, the Seattle Mariners, for the Texas Rangers, who also just recently signed Robinson Chirinos, who was another guy that I uh, thought the Angels should go after. Number three, the Oakland Athletics. Number two, the Angels. And number one, the Astros, pending, of course, the the, uh, the penalties for the cheating. Jim, of course, relatively same, except you flip the Angels and the A's. You put the A's at two and the Angels at three. Jim, it is so always fun to talk with you. It is always fun to catch up. You are one of the diehard Angels fans that I know. I think you would be a perfect uh, maybe possible regular to this podcast because this will not be the last time that we speak. Hey, you know, I, I always say anytime someone can hear my voice, I'm happy. So, Jim, where can people uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on the uh, Twitterverse at Sir James Radio, and uh, I'm always on there. Drop me a line, say some say some fun stuff with me, and uh, I will probably reply back something really dumb. There's a, I can tell you from experience, I've known Jim since I was 19, I think. Uh, he definitely will respond with something dumb. I can guarantee that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jim, hey, thanks again for, for coming on and talking some Angels baseball. And with that, I'm going to end the podcast. Uh, so you can find, I'm going to do, Jim, I'm going to do some, uh, some, some, 
some stuff real quick. Uh, give me one second here. I forgot to have this. Have, man. Forgot to have this pulled up, which is always great. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on social media. My social media is at Intern underscore Phil on Twitter. Of course, I'm in the same boat as Jim. Tweet at me; I will respond. It can be dumb. It cannot be. It's up to you. Uh, we've got a bunch of great shows on this platform. Uh, shows that cover a lot of topics. Uh, if you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Jim, thanks again, my friend. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon, I hope. Yeah, man, I'm always available. Thanks for thanks for having me. It was a pleasure and an honor. All right. I'm still bad at ending this show, so I'm going to say goodbye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.